Welcome to Living Light Radio with your host, Ranbir Poir. That's me, where we'll give you a dose of inspiration, application, and adaptation every single week so you can embrace the light of your life and live the life of your dreams. I hope you'll join us every Friday. My name is Ranbir Poir. Thank you so much for joining me here on YouTube, or maybe you're listening to this episode on the podcast, Living Light Radio. If you're new to me, my um, work as a life strategies coach started in 2009. I'm an author and a speaker and a mom of two incredible sons that I'm raising on the West Coast of Canada with my son. Oh, it's not my son, my husband. Holy, that was like a slip up. Of course, I have a psychotherapist with me today and maybe she can analyze my slip up later. Just kidding. This is Tara Miller. She is a dear friend. I um, admire Tara so much. Like I said, she's a psychotherapist. She's an author and she's a speaker. She and I met uh, when we were both speaking at an event in Seattle. Uh, We hit it off and we've stayed friends and stayed connected. And I am so honored to have her here today because Tara brings a really unique perspective that I find refreshing (laughs) and encouraging as well. So Tara, can you tell us a little bit about you? I can, and I do. I remember that time in Seattle and we were both kind of the most realist people in the room and just gravitated to each other. And there was that instant like-mindedness of, I recognize you in, me in you as having that real grounded let's be raw and real and unafraid to talk about things in in that way so i i love that memory because i think that's the best way to meet people so yes thank you for having me on i know we've talked about this a lot so i'm super happy to be here and i am i'm a psychotherapist i've um, been a journalist and an author uh, a speaker And I've had worn many hats in this life. I came into being a psychotherapist, not because I ever wanted to be in the counseling profession, not because I was ever interested in mental health. So it was a different path than where most people feel they come in and they really wanna just help people. I never had that idea ever, ever in my life. I did all these other careers And I had a series of very unfortunate slash horrific events that happened in a very short period of time in my life. And I couldn't recover. And I had always considered myself very strong, really smart, able to kind of think myself out of anything or talk myself through things. And I couldn't get past what was going on in my life. And I couldn't kind of resolve my own symptoms. And for me, that was, it created this this question mark of what's wrong with me that I can't figure this out when I've overcome so much before in my life. turns out that's a really common pattern. Um, And what it ended up is I was able to find somebody that created this very amazing neuroscience-based modality called self-regulation therapy. I was referred to her by a massage therapist because my shoulder injury wasn't healing mm. and she didn't, she didn't believe it was physical. She thought it was more than that. So I ended up just by luck and happenstance finding this person, working through all of the trauma that had happened just before meeting her and during the time that I was with her and worked with her for about a year. And I came out of those events so strong and so healthy in ways that I never really should have. 
that I was inspired to then I went back to grad school at 39 and got my master's and started working in this way to help other people. So I kind of fell into it by accident, ended up being, you know, 10 years of, of really um, gifted, sacred work with other people. Um, and, and now I'm writing another book on how to help people in a different way. Well, tell me, uh, uh, tell me about the book and uh, do you feel comfortable sharing any of the, any of those really tough challenges? <laughs> I yeah. know about them. I know about. You do. There's, yeah. and, and every time I tell the story, I always miss things because I forget yeah. until I wrote the book and I had to keep inserting, oh yeah, that happened. And then yes. that happened. So I'll, I won't get all of the details, but right. basically I was like so many other people. I was married, I had two babies, and then uh, the marriage went sideways um, and we got divorced. In the midst of the time from the time we got divorced, the divorce went ugly, he kind of abandoned ship. I had a car accident, I had a life-threatening MRSA infection. Um, they thought my three-year-old son might have cancer. Mm. Um, so we were in the hospital a lot. We were dealing with a lot. I was poor. I couldn't work um, because I had had a car accident and then I had had another car accident. So this was less than a year that those events happened. Yeah. And I was just struggling to stay alive. Um, very weak in body and in spirit. Um, you know, we spent some Christmases at the food bank, like things were just if there was a rock bottom, or, or a season of Job, or, you know, whatever you want to call it, it felt like that was it, I almost lost my house, I almost lost really everything. Yeah. <clears throat> and as we started to recover from those physical events, and my son not having cancer, thank God, yeah. then um, to cap off the year, then my ex-husband, um, committed suicide. Mm. So then we had to deal with the fact that he had signed everything off, the divorce was over. Um, and so nothing was covered um, by any kind of life insurance, because everything had been signed in, and he left us with almost $100,000 in debt. At the end of a year that was already full of so much fear and trauma yeah. and loneliness and despair. Wow. So I really relate when people say, you know, like I was on my kitchen floor clawing by my fingernails for my own freaking sanity Yes, as a strong, smart human being. But we have things that will bring us to that place yes. and not knowing how we're going to get out of it, but just praying to get through the end of each day. And then you get to the end of it and then you get a suicide. So there's another trauma. Yeah that Major. then we all processed. Yeah. And then life slowly started to put itself back together. And I met somebody I loved very much. And then he died in a motorcycle accident. So all of that was a three year window. So it was like, how many people have had experiences, even one of those where you feel like you're going to get your head above yes. water and then somebody pushes you down again yeah. and you do it again. And you know, so human resiliency is coming back up and being determined enough that you don't know how you're going to do it, yeah. but that you are going to do it, that yes. you just keep coming back up to surface to gasp for air and hope that along the way, the tide eases up, that something moves in your favor so that all of the muscle that you built just trying to stay alive, you can yeah. then swim further with. Yeah. So in, in that nutshell, that's, it was heinous that time of life. And I thought how, 
totally unfair and evil and awful and all of these emotions. Yeah. But I had two little kids yeah. um, that were so bright and so healthy. And I just had to keep going because I was the only hero that they had. So yeah. I just, that's how I made it to the other end. It's, it's just such, uh, sorry, it's cutting out there for a second though. Look, the internet. <laughs> um, it, your story uh, is, um, it's incredible because I find that sometimes that when we witness the strength of another human being, we're reminded of the strength we have, because I think that we uh, assume we're all separate and, um, you know, and, and we are, we're all individuals, you know, mm -hmm. obviously I was born and raised with the Eastern philosophy that says, you know, you come here alone, you leave here alone, but in the time in between, uh, you are meant to connect and grow your heart and grow your spirit. And that's really, really important. And, you know, the idea that your, your life experience threw you so much Look, trauma too much too fast too soon right yeah. uh just uh, just a little bit right of all of that it allowed you to really anchor into the core of your being in a way that allowed you to decide to be here to decide yeah. to show up and decide to be the type of incredible mother you are incredible thinker that you are and you're you're an actual contributor. And one of the reasons why I, I, I look to you is that you're not afraid to think for yourself. You are a true intellect. Mm. And, you know, and I've written a little bit about this this past year because I believe a true intellect is fascinated by what they don't know. Yeah. Because they, they just, they're, they're not stuck in their ego and insecurity that they, this is how it is and this is what it is and this is all it's supposed to be. You're yeah. constantly peeling back layers to get a deeper and better understanding of yourself, of resilience, of your children. Like it, it's so I have, I had just had to share that because it, 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 it's quite incredible to me. And, you know, you really learn who you are and who you're not and who you want to become when you have nothing left, yes. but the core of the essence of the spirit of who you are and what you were created to be when you are alone with yourself in those empty moments. I know it's painful and full of despair, but if you're looking, you really find out this is what I'm made of and this mm -hmm. is what I'm not and I need to get. I find that it's, it's one of the greatest filters, you know, intense stress is a great filter because it squeezes out all that's unnecessary and you can only focus on that next step. Because yeah. actually, I think today, uh, you know, we're recording this on, on a Tuesday, which is a roomy Tuesday, but it's like when you start walking on the way, the way appears. So it's, it, mm -hmm. it, and so when you're in that sort of situation, I know from my own life, I've had a lot of those, not all at once and not suicide, um, but a lot of loss in my life, a lot of trauma. Uh, and when I've been on that floor, you know, mm -hmm. praying all I've ever prayed for is, you know, I've done what I can Just show me the way yeah. and, and the way appears. And it's about taking that one step. And I think we overthink so much. We overthink so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that's the, that's the one beauty of stress. Hey, if you're looking, there's, 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 you don't have time to overthink 
Yeah, I mean, moderate stress as human beings, yes. we have this capacity to exist in mild to moderate stress indefinitely, and it yeah. erodes every level of our health as we yes. go, but it is the, the peak experiences of stress where it feels like crippling life or death that then everything's awake and you have a different view of things and there you don't see the periphery you see what is like this is what needs to happen yeah what real yeah. what's real and what matters yeah big time yeah tell me a little bit about um the work you're doing now because you're not seeing clients but you are doing some other really interesting work writing your book yeah um, so tell me a little bit about the work you're doing with educators as well. So this 2020 was set up and booked to be a really um, interesting year of travel and workshops and events um, for educators, mental health professionals, um, psychotherapists and others in business. And then of course, like many people, it required a pivot. So I was already on a sabbatical um, to, and I was working with a doctor in the States to build some mental health programs and that um, ended with the whole new year also. Mm -hmm. So then I had the choice to go back into private practice, pull everybody off my wait list and, and see people one-on-one -on -one again or virtually this way, or take a pause and think, what do I really wanna do with this time? Yeah. And given what's happening in the world, is it going to best serve me and them to be, because it will be hour after hour of COVID stress. Yes. And, and after 10 years of the trauma specialty that I've worked in, which is people's life horrors, I just felt like this wasn't what I wanted for my own health, but yeah. wasn't going to serve, um, wasn't going to serve others. So I extended the sabbatical and focused on not just um, my, my book, I finished it in uh, March yeah. <laughs> and then the pandemic just kept going. Yeah. So yeah. when I picked it up to edit it again at the end of this year, I realized it needed a bit of a rewrite. So the book is called Defiant and I always forget what the subtitle is, but it's basically about taking human resilience, which is innate. It's a gift we all have to varying yes. degrees but it's the next level. It's like when it's like when life really craps on you, when yeah. things are really intense. Yeah. There's yeah. a choice and a moment that you make a decision to be defiant against it versus just gritty to get through it. And yes. so we're taking the professional expertise of working with serious, serious trauma and my own experience, I'm putting that all together into this kind of a book. I cannot. Wait, it's going to be so good. So good. What's interesting, you and I both see a lot of um, different things on the internet. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I have been doing this work since 2009, but I, I'm very mindful of, of my lane. Uh, I don't, uh, you know, don't say a lot of certain things, but, you know, now we're, everywhere we look, like the world of coaching and therapy is just going through the roof. And some of the stuff I hear, it just makes my head spin because I think that's not in service and that's, it, it, I, I can't do anything about it necessarily other than continue to do what I do and you do what you do. But, you know, the idea of the space, it's, you know, it's due for an overhaul. 
Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, it, you know, we're all looking to be more resilient. Um, and a lot of the profession is not really designed mm -hmm. to increase resilience. It's not really designed with the neuroscience of brain plasticity and changing your brain yeah. uh, and moving forward without therapy, having an endpoint to therapy. We're in this space where it's a lot of outdated um, ideas and theories, a lot of talking, a lot of emotional saturation, and a lot of long-term, it's a good long-term business model. Does it help people get strong enough to move on with their life without a coach or a therapist? Not in all cases. And in my profession, I would say in very few cases, yeah. the people that have come to see me, sometimes we've had to do trauma therapy to reverse the damage of the trauma from the therapy that they had for their trauma. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a profession in a field where there's such high potential for damage because it's humans yes. helping humans. A lot of people haven't done the the, the right kind of work for their own wounds and then they're projecting or sharing or labeling onto others and we're, it becomes wound seeking wounds as opposed to I've done my work I can hold this space but I have a science to what I'm doing and there's an end point where we part ways because you you're strong enough to live your own life without a coach or a therapist or more work and that's always been my goal which is a terrible business model, but mine's terrible too. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't, with you. Yeah. I don't want dependency. I don't want, uh, you know, I don't want people to feel like the labels they've given themselves or that other people have given them is a lifelong thing. The brain has this ability to change for the entire course of our lives. And if you don't have somebody that can guide you into doing that, your brain stays the same and just gets more of the same. Yes. And I don't have any time for that. And I don't, I mean, people that are in that model and that are stuck in that cycle, whether they're a patient or a therapist, they're not super fun to be around. They're not super engaging to be around because they're not moving. It's just a cycle of the same. And it feels good in the moment because you feel connected. And if we had better community and healthy connection, I think people wouldn't be seeking that connection and companionship from their therapist. A hundred percent. You know, the interesting thing about, uh, about the space is that, uh, you know, I, I really like the human ego. I think it's really great to have the ego because it gives you contrast. It gives you some sort of, uh, uh, you know, an ability to see the, the, the differences and layers of life and can motivate you and drive you to grow yourself and so on and so forth. And then there's aspects of our ego um, that create the challenges and to be in the space and work in the space where you're trying to create knowingly or unknowingly creating dependency because you feel like the movie star and yeah. it's 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 a really uh interesting space and i noticed that uh in the beginning uh, when i started doing this work that it would have been i joke that i could have easily started a cult yeah like because yeah. you could easily get if you did it without the authenticity you could easily have this great dependency build and that's exactly the opposite of the work that i do and my whole entire goal is to develop an independent yeah light like you you yes. i want to light you up you have your own source of energy you don't need to plug into me you're self-charging how do we yeah. get you to just light up and yeah. so 
you know, it, it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting space. I have, you know, I have a lot of thoughts on it, but I find that 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 desire to create dependency for a business model is not aligned with the human mind, body, or spirit. It's definitely not aligned with building villages. Uh, yeah, and certainly not aligned with human potential. Oh, no, 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 not at all. No, it's, it's just fascinating to me. To, well, I like that we can talk about it openly, so it's, it's, <laughs> it's all good. And, it's, and, and, and if you're listening to this, you know, we're not trying to put down any, of, any other people or anything like that. It's just trying to encourage you. Um, you know, the theme of my challenge, challenge channel is to learn to like yourself because this whole self-love stuff that goes on in my mm -hmm. sort of space about just put it on a vision board and love yourself and everything will be good and marry. It's just a bunch of BS. Um, it's when you learn to like yourself is when you develop resilience, when you know that you can dig deep and you can count on yourself and then extending that to the concept of under your roof. So when Tara and I are sharing these ideas, it's for you to strengthen the relationships under your roof, whether that be in your heart or, you know, with other people that you live with or connect with in, in different households. So it's super important to take this all in, you process it and you kind of see what that means for you. And maybe it'll help you pick wiser as you move forward and look for people that help you be independent and resilient. Um, one of the things you're working on right now is to support educators as well. How are you doing that? And it's a tough time for educators. It is. So it started because I come from a family of teachers in Alberta, generations of them. So I see how hard they work. I see the heart that they put into the work that they do. And over time, I've seen that as our society and culture has changed and how children are suffering, um, they suffer also as as yeah. people that are, are imparting on them and their role is not just as educators they have to wear so many different hats so many as part of their job so i was invited to speak in banff for the um, early childhood educators conference um, in alberta for march and of course that was cancelled and then out of that somehow my name got passed around in the cancellation and a school district out here in british columbia reached out and said you know, we're starting school. This is back in the fall. We're starting school. We're super stressed. The support staff and the teachers are super stressed. Could you come in and do um, a half a day work uh, workshop with our group? And they wanted me initially to come for a full day um, in house and that had to be changed. So we spent some time together talking about how you can monitor your own activation in your nervous system, how can you can self-regulate, how you can work with your team to self-regulate because nervous systems are contagious. So if one person is activated, everybody else will kind of rise with them. Yeah. But also you have children coming into that space that have multiple determinants in their background and in their households before they even get to the school grounds. And then they come into your space, which is full of whatever energy that you're bringing yes. so it really is this radical ripple effect but the importance of it for children especially is that as adults we can do the work but our brains are grown they're formed yeah. all yeah. wired up <laughs> so yeah. sometimes it's harder but with kids i mean they're still developing and a lot of these um, in elementary school crucial times of development yes. and safety and and times where we can prevent anxiety from developing if we have the right support within the school systems 
such pressure for teachers and their support staff to be all of that. But if they were 1% better, all of them, 1% more regulated, if they knew how to settle their classrooms or bring a different energy into that space by 1%, the yes. ripple effect of even that is impressive. So now there's a couple of um, schools and school districts that then it's just word of mouth have yeah. said, you know, can you come and talk to us about this? Can you come and do a talk with us about this? Which is really hard when you're, for me, I'm a, I like to speak on stage and I'm yes. moving and I'm walking and I, you know, like, and I can see people and I can know where it's going. And this was 300 black squares because all of their cameras were off. And I was yeah, pretending I was where I wanted to be doing what I wanted to do, but it was a different, it was a different drain to do it virtually, but still um, good information. I shared the slides after so they could review them, but yeah. important um, because everything's virtual right now that we have yeah. to adapt, but skills that are not being taught for um, frontline workers, for educators, for many people in really how to create self-regulated classrooms, how to increase self-regulation in kids when they're stressed and they approach you, how you can look at them in a different way, like look mm -hmm. at their nervous system, even without the training and use a few different techniques that will help settle them instead of just talking all the time. Yeah, there's so much talking. Yeah. Um, what, could you give us one technique that maybe we could mm -hmm. try at home safely when you're not driving? <laughs> I'm trying to think of an example. Like a little plug. Like for a kid? Or just an adult. Say, say uh, if just for, for an adult is fine too. So the best thing that you can do for your own nervous system is get in touch with your physical body because the language of the nervous system is the felt sense. So we talk a lot, we think a lot, that's all up here. Yes. The frontal lobes are the last part of the brain to develop and the last part of the brain to get any information. Your activation is coming from your brainstem, from an overcooked limbic system. So earlier parts of your brain, older parts of your brain, their language is because they're scanning for threat, their language yeah. is felt sense. So the best thing that you can do is even once three times a day or once an hour when you stand up to get water or take a movement break, scan your body and see where you notice feeling activation, like your heart rate's rapid or your breath is shallow or you have pain or tension. And then the brain's gonna wanna stay there because it's uncomfortable, because that's what it does. Yeah. So you wanna leave there and you wanna do another elevator scan and find out where you feel relatively more comfortable. So yeah. you just scan your body through a day. It's so easy. It's like yeah, I'm feeling a little whatever here. And instead of thinking why, putting meaning to it, kind of putting it through the hamster in a wheel cycle, yeah. who cares why? It's just where your body's holding whatever it is. It doesn't yeah. even matter. You go to another place, where does it feel more comfortable? And an easy place to go is like, if you're sitting down, feeling your butt in the chair. And yeah. you're not thinking about your butt. You're thinking about the space where your actual butt cheek meets yeah. the fabric of the chair like you're yeah. really getting into yeah. and you're taking in the support of it and you're just dealing with pure sensation yeah so the more you look into your body for where places feel relatively more comfortable or calm and you take your attention there yeah what you tell your unconscious brain is oh, we have support things feel good here and it picks up that cue only yes. 
because you've told it that everything's okay. So it in that moment, you can sit there for a moment and do it. You can then notice that your heart rate might slow down, your breathing might slow down, your breath deepens all by itself. You don't have to breathe differently. You can notice that there are changes in your physical body. And in that moment, what's happening is you've initiated your own parasympathetic response. You've released more of the positive, relaxing neurochemicals that we're looking for. And you get to have a mini reset. So if you did that every hour, just found a place in your body, did some grounding or felt your butt in a chair and had that 60 seconds, your nervous system would start to train to look for more and quickly, more quickly than get you into a parasympathetic, which is a grounded self-regulated state for then to go into the next hour. So it would just be like training. Yeah, it's training and you know, that old adage, water what you wanna grow. And to yeah. be quite frank, the idea of having to sit there and think about your butt will also make you laugh. <laughs> like depending <laughs> on what what you feel about your butt it was well, no no i meant like just like oh you know like if you want to laugh and someone says what are you doing well i'm thinking about my butt being comfortable in this chair like you could have a good laugh there too right yeah uh, and so don't forget to like don't be i feel like people are so serious and <laughs> there's the if you're listening, Tara just threw her head back in agreement with me. Um, <laughs> you can't, can't see that on the podcast, but people take themselves so seriously. And so enjoy this process that Tara described. If you do that exercise, really enjoy it. Try to put a smile on your face as you connect with that, that, that small descriptor, descriptor she gave, because it's super important not to take yourself so seriously and not to overthink a lot of yeah. the things we can do to regulate it's not going to fix all your problems it's going to regulate in a minute it's going yeah. to just take you down 10 percent. well then yeah. you're 10 percent better but yeah. you know finding a spot in your body that feels good or grounding somewhere noticing where your breath moves easily all by itself as opposed to trying to force yourself to take deep breaths or count yes. or you know um and then visualizing i have my butt in the chair and my mind in on a maui beat yeah. regularly throughout the day yes. and I don't let a day end until I have found something that makes me throw my head back and laugh out loud yes. because if I don't do that intentionally as a practice like these other things which are yes. really simple things so I mean laughter it stimulates everything right it releases yeah. all the good chemicals it helps for your hormones it does the vagal nerve stimulation all that stuff but it also life is super gray and serious and like, there's so much despair right now. Yes. You'll be amazed if you go to eight o'clock and you find, you search on YouTube until you find something that makes you actually laugh out loud. Yeah. You have a moment where you go, I haven't laughed all day. And then you have awareness and then you yeah. start seeking opportunities to then course yes. correct. So a lot of the stuff is just awareness. We bring it yes. to awareness and then you can fix it yourself. Yes. And you just need like one little nudge. So don't go to bed until you've laughed out loud. Yes. And then you realize you make it a habit. You set a reminder so that you are making yourself laugh. I think a lot of times we think that this life is just supposed to be a, we just go with the flow naturally and everything will be okay. Yes. We have to go with the flow intentionally 
um, to to help keep things in a in this healthy space because mental health is not a given. Yeah. It is not um, passive. It is something that you have to work for. You have to fight for. And I mean, I'd rather do it laughing and dancing in my kitchen than trying to read a book or or process inner child wounds or you know all yeah. the thinking and all that. And I think there's this idea with psychotherapy that we have to go back into the past and feel all of our pain to be able to move forward into a life of joy. And it just doesn't work that way. You don't heal an injured brain by going back to the space it was injured in or into the state it was injured in. No. You change the state, you create a new identity for yourself and new habits to support that. And you'll actually change your brain to get to that place. And, and the, the interesting thing about that is that it requires engagement from you. And it requires that independence that we talked about, because otherwise you will go and, and create a dependent relationship with a, 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 a third party that isn't necessarily with you. You can't be with them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And really, truly, you shouldn't be storing this stuff all up in a notepad. Like some people will have told me, oh, they just made notes. And then when they saw their support person, mm -hmm. that that's when they would address it. And the idea of not processing as you go is not yeah. that good for you. <laughs> like you can't give your power away. You need to acknowledge that you have the capacity, you have the resilience, you have the creativity, you have the joy, you have the laughter, you have the sadness, and that you're supposed to feel sad when you have a human experience. Yes. Like resilience is feeling the entire range of human emotion and knowing it's temporary, both sides of it. Sides. I can tolerate all sides of it and I will come through it. Like there is a calm baseline that I can come back to, but whatever happens, whatever I experience, I can tolerate yes. if it's good or bad. And yeah. I can, there's expansiveness, there's range for it. And this idea that, you know, we really have to think about why we feel a certain way sometimes you need to do some deeper work but we've gone way too far in indulgence of this negative um, catharsis and and doing this deep work for years when really it's well what state am i in right now and if i don't like it what state do i want to be in and how would somebody in that state act feel behave think and talk yeah. and then grab it borrow it someone else is already doing it your mirror neurons in your brain will go, oh, yeah, I'll do that. And you yeah. do one thing and then you get this, you get your own ripple effect. But it is that self-reliance that if there were no therapists or life coaches and you had to figure this out on your own and you took the information of what we're talking about, but you just had to connect with yourself in, in your strength, not in your wounds. Yeah. How would you get through this time? People figure it out. They do. So they definitely do. They definitely do. And, you know, it's, it, you know, I, I always call it the self-charging. So figuring out how to, how to plug into yourself and, and know yourself and know where the battery level's at. And, and yeah. we can get fuel from our relationships and our, you know, our heart center does connect us beautifully with other people and we can get, you know, mm -hmm. a, a really great experience there. But at the end of the day, it's taking this entire responsibility for the self. And um, it's, it's difficult because it's different than what's being told um, to you. <laughs> and yeah, there's, we, we're connecting based on old stories. Yeah. Uh, 
and because we have this experience of connection through our trauma or through our shared bonds that are usually negative or usually sad or usually not kind of where we want to go. So having an idea of where you want to go is really important or who you want to be. Knowing that you can change that is really important. And knowing what resilience looks like. A lot of people are feeling very fatigued right now. And so there's a conservation and a shrinking of life and a shrinking of emotion. And this idea of if I could just get enough rest when this is over, then I will, then I'll decide then or, or then I'll be resilient. When, when, when and then. <laughs> when and then. When I feel ready, when I'm rested enough. And the, I mean, we need the rest. You need to know what deep recovery feels like for you. And it's not going to be, you know, a sleeper vacation for some people. Some people, their recovery looks very different. It's yes. way more active. We need to know that. But we also need to know that the brain will be as activated in boredom and in conservation and in not growing as it will be in times of stress. So then knowing how to pull back and when to rest, but also making sure that you're incorporating things that are engaging, things that are new, um, learning, something that is taking you out of yourself. That's a challenge, but that's a positive one that lights you up. And that's what a lot of people are missing right now is they're not seeking anything that actually lights them up or makes them feel curious or makes them feel like life, you yeah. know, um, yeah. because we're in this, lockdown that has been self-imposed on top of government imposed depending on where you're at yeah. it's really a encouraging a shrinking of spirit but a shrinkage of everything else we're in pause mode and the brain is atrophying in that state so we have to take the rest but also add in um, something that brings us out of ourself that is a challenge that lights us up versus a challenge that drains us a hundred percent uh there was um uh one of my today I practice segments was uh, celebrating the success of others because these are the times when when you go and see other people um, use it as success leaving clues and cues for you rather than saying oh that person's doing this well I can't because I have this or I have this and that all the excuses that we make in order to stay stuck in the story so try to look at other people as your teammates to show you what's humanly possible, right? Yeah. They're not, it doesn't mean that they are the only people that can have that or achieve that or feel that or be that. So instead of looking them, let them as your competition, look at them as your inspiration of that person's a human. Oh, I'm a human. Oh, <laughs> and not yeah. look at all the other categories where you could categorize yourself and say, okay, if that person's human and I'm human, then unless it's like some sort of dramatic physical thing, I pretty much have a good chance I can get it. Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise it's, it's all that victim mentality that is. is absolutely draining and it's not worth your while. It will not pay the dividends you think it, it will. won't pay the dividends. <laughs> and I mean, one of the easiest things people could do is any kind of physical challenge will then kind of yes. open up your mind for mental resilience. And so a lot of people are are feeling like, well, I'm not good at working at, at working out from home, or I don't like to run. It's kind of it is that comparison mode, especially on Instagram yeah. with these the fitspos or whatever that is. <laughs> like, do a four minute. Um, I love Zach Bush's four minute workout. Breaks up my day, gives me energy. It's supposed to release nitric oxide, whatever that does. I don't care. It's just yeah. four minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ten squats or. Yes 
you know, like one song to dance to. It's one thing. It's like just one thing. Whatever your average is, if you want to change that, you just raise it by it's the one percent rule that yeah. a lot of people are talking about. It doesn't have to be, I need to start this massive challenge and do it perfectly or I'm derailed, but you do, especially right now, need to be doing something physical because the physical, the fastest way to change your mental state is through your physical body. So yes. 10 jumping jacks once a day. There's, I mean, most people can do that. You could do 50, you can yeah. set your own number, but it is, it's again, how do I design my own life? Because I don't need someone else to tell me how to do this. I, and I think the reliance piece comes in with, we lose our own creativity and knowing of, this is what I like to do. This is how I could set up my own challenge. I could yeah. sit down and set up my own challenge. I don't need someone else to tell me what I should be doing for the next 30 days. I just know I need to move. So yeah. I'll, I'll pick my way and I'll do 1% and then I'll increase on that. And then I've built my own successes. Then I have my own victories. Then it's not somebody else's stuff anyway. It's not. And one of the things that works well for my clients um, is that we just try to work in the, you know, the 24 hour compartment. So don't plan mm -hmm. three days out or six days out. I have to eat this six days out. Just plan, you know, at the, at the end of the day or the beginning of the day, just sort of plan your activity for that day. And the cool thing about working in that 24 hour compartment is that you leave feeling successful and then you, you build yeah. your success mindset because then you know, oh, I can you know, when you sit down uh, or you before the end of the day, when you're planning, you kind of know what's on your schedule the next day. There's mm -hmm. not this, oh, four days out, I forgot I had this appointment. You, you, you yeah. tend to review and know. So set yourself up for success. Be responsible to yourself in that 24 hours. That's yeah. all you need to focus on. Whether it be, what are you going to eat in that 24 hours? If that's what you're focusing on, you know, mm -hmm. maybe you're going to move this much in this 24 hours and, and make your own program that way, because it's so much easier to control what happens. And it doesn't have to be 24 hours because you're sleeping for a third of it anyway. So, yeah. you know, your 12, 14 hour segment, try to break it into small bite-sized pieces. So you win, you yeah. know, so you feel like you win. Right. Like, what do I need in this moment? And then I'm going to give it to myself. Yeah. And what do I need to get to the next day? And then I'm going to set myself up for it. I mean, yeah. it's just, it, it's become complicated, but they're easy questions. Easy. And you just make it no excuses. I mean, if, if the way to heal developmental rupture is to really to take care of yourself impeccably in this moment, not to go back to when you were neglected, no. you do it in this moment. And when people say, well, I feel guilty if I take this time for myself, well, then you will always feel the way that you feel right now. And if that's good enough for you and the witnesses of your life, totally stay with it. But if it's not good enough for you, guilt is a useless emotion unless it's preventing it because it's supposed to be a retrospective. I feel yeah. guilty because I, you know, just um, to change retrospective. And I'm going to break that down for some of the yeah. listeners. Retrospective means when you reflect back on it, you decide to do differently moving forward. Yeah. I feel guilty because I actually did something wrong. Yeah usually on purpose. That's what yeah. guilt is for so that you have a course correct for your future conscience. Yeah. And yet we feel guilty preemptively, especially uh, a lot of women feel this way just for taking care of what we need to be the best version of ourselves. So I say you can feel the feeling, but then, then swipe it, swipe it left. I yeah. think it's left. You know, you don't want it. You swipe it left, swipe yeah. it out because yeah. 
not serving you. It's just an emotion. So we're going to feel a lot of emotions throughout the day. A lot of them are brought in from development. A lot of them don't serve who we are or what's useful for us or who we want to be. So you can feel it. And then you can go, I feel this and I'm going to choose to be, do something different or engage in a different way regardless. Because this idea of follow your heart can really the um, emotional, our own emotional dependency that our feelings are the true wisdom of our soul is a little off right now. Maybe a lot off. Yeah, right now a lot is off. (laughs) (laughs) Like how I feel is not always, it's true to me, but it's not always true. And it's not, it's not going to be true to the self I'm trying to create. A hundred percent. And, and the, you know, the, the reminder of that statement is, uh, you know, if you want a quick example, when you think about what you're feeling isn't always true, that when two people are in an argument, both of them, <laughs> you know, they, yeah. they, they're, you're arguing about the exact same thing or incident, but you're going to have two truths come out of that. So what is true yeah. and what's not true is and debatable. the flag thing, which is, this is what happened. No, this is what happened. Yeah. Same with car accidents. Same with, I mean, our, you know, our perception we call it our truth and it's true to us yeah. in the moment, but yeah. we have to understand how many filters it actually passes through. It yeah. is, it, at, truth is, you know, it's a Debatable. version of a truth. <laughs> yeah. That's the truth is, yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. try, try to take these uh, resources and tips and ideas and conversation that Tara and I've had today. Um, you know, we're both very similar in the sense that we're really, really passionate about you being the strongest version of you and your individuality. Um, But also in that sort of no excuses, I think we're the type of people that believe in putting your feet to the fire when you need and holding your hand when you need. Like, so there's compassion, but there's also that real drive to get unstuck because it's only hurting you. Um, You are paying uh, for something that doesn't need to be paid for. It's a high interest loan you need to check out of. So it's, it's time to time to make some changes. And I am going to share Tara's um, links and uh, link to her site and her Instagram um, below. So you know how to reach out if you're an educator, or you would like to book her for a speaking event or a, a workshop of sorts, you can always do that in the links below. You can reach out to me if you can't find it and I will direct you to her. Is there anything you'd like to leave us with today? Because it's been such an honor having you here. I'm so excited. I can't wait to share this with everybody. But what would you like to leave us with? Well, I mean, resilience is my passion because what I know about the science of the brain. So I know it's out there for everyone. There is improvement out there for everyone. So wherever you feel like has been your externally imposed or self-imposed end of potential, it's not true. And so my, what I love most about what I've done and what I continue to do is that I believe in the best of you. I believe that you are capable of far more than you even see or believe in yourself. And so any work that I do and any work that most professionals coming into this space now should be doing is saying, you know, let's get you to a place where you don't need me. Let's show you the best version of yourself, the strength that you forgot that you even had. 
so that you don't have to go through some of these horrific events that some of us have gone through to really get to that core? How could you find out what you're really made of now so that you can move forward in your life and be done with this once and for all? Because nobody needs to be stuck in their pain for as long as people are staying in their pain. So the resilience piece of it, the, the changing your brain piece of it, the knowing that you're capable and that you deserve way more than you have in this moment is what I'm ridiculously passionate about because I believe it's so accessible and, and, and it's such an unknown that it's so accessible. Amazing. I'm so, so grateful for you, for your time, for everything that you do for this space. And I um, obviously can't wait to read the book. And I, I you know, I, I'm just really, really grateful. I'm, I'm lost for words at the moment, because I feel like it's so important for us to be able to really tune into how vital this message is of resilience and how vital it is to lock into who you are at your true essence, your true being, because you are quite an incredible creation. And I will leave it at that. And I have, if you have any questions for Tara, you can leave them below. And if I can direct them to her, and if you have anything else, like I said, you can reach out to her by the links below the video. And I appreciate you tuning in today. I'll thank you so much and I'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in today. Please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to visit our site, www.freewithin.me. Talk to you next week.